Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. It is the middle episode where the sandwich, this is the meat of the week, right? Today um, is Mike Janda back on. We had such a great conversation before. We're going to continue it and then maybe talk a little bit about what are some ways that we can, what are things that we can do as designers because we are problem solvers in this kind of craziness that's all happening. It's coronavirus. I don't even know what day it is, right? But we're in our houses. But Mike, you had an exciting morning that had nothing to do with the coronavirus. What happened in No, we, I woke up at 7 a.m. and the doors were shaking and the windows were shaking. And I was like, that seems like an earthquake. And then I rolled back over and went back to sleep and uh, checked my checked the news a little bit later. And it was a 5.7 earthquake in Utah in Salt Lake City area where I live this morning. So super cool, right? You might as well throw an earthquake on top of all of the other chaos in the world right now. Right, but you said this is the first time in 18 years you had never experienced it, right? Yeah, I've, I've lived here for 18 years. We live on a major fault line. The Wasatch Front is like a, a major fault line and it's, it's 80 or 100 years overdue for a major earthquake. So. I don't know if 5.7 by California standards, that's like a normal day. Uh, so 5.7 is, isn't too dramatic, but it was shaking everything. So it, it was, we'll see if there's some aftershocks or whatever they, whatever they call those. Demi, he's in London. Um, he says, waiting for the alien invasion in April or, or a zombie apocalypse, right? Something. Yeah, well, the coronavirus could mutate to a zombie type <laughs> of thing. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So one of the things that I love about you is that you have a heart for people at the beginning of their journey. And I thought we'd kind of start there today. So mm, kind of getting good. our head a little bit off. It's great for everybody. I'm glad everybody's here. Um, just so you know, make sure your thing says all panelists and attendees, and that way we can all see what everybody's talking about in the chat. Um, so you you have written books about people in school and as they start their journey, but then mm -hmm. you also have your pricing book that and mm -hmm. really that has to do about people who are like us, people who are here, who are starting yeah. their own business or they're, they're doing freelance and they're really, we, nobody talks to us about that stuff, right? Yeah. And that stuff yeah. changes and how do you know when is a good time? And so how, have you always had like a heart for people at the beginning of journeys? Yeah, I think I didn't have any help and I think that that's where it comes from. When I graduated from school, I couldn't get my first job. I was just struggling. I, was, I started at Alpha Graphics. I told some of this story last time. And, um, and so it was just so at the bottom, in my opinion, of the design industry. And then even starting my agency, it was pre-social media and pre-YouTube. And I didn't have any mentors other than books. I didn't even know how to find somebody because the world wasn't connected the way that it is today. So I think that a lot of my heart to the people who are starting out and trying to figure this industry out comes from the fact that I had to figure it out all on my own without somebody to call or ask or somebody's YouTube or Instagram channel to follow where they're answering questions I didn't even know to ask at the time. And so I think that that's where a lot of that comes from. And go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. No, I was just going to say, and maybe it's something just in the nature of my soul that I care about people and I, you know, I see the good in people and I, you know, I love 
connecting with people and I love making new friends and that's just part of my persona. So I think that that has something to do with it too. Were you like that even as a little kid? Not that I remember. I, I was really shy, introverted growing up until I got into kind of high school. And then I hung around my best buddy who was way extroverted. And uh, he kind of pulled me out of my shell a bit. So, but until then I was, I was pretty introverted. And I think a lot of designers are introverts by nature. I think that's the nature of the designer. We're super outgoing and connected with our five friends in our art class. And then to everybody else in the world, we're massively insecure. And I still battle that now, even you know, posting content and things and getting on videos and stuff. And I know it doesn't come across that way, but there are times when I'm like doing a live on my Instagram and I'm like, man, I feel like an idiot doing this. I'm such a loser. That's how it kind of feels. So that's, it's just the, the nature of the artistic introvert, insecure person that starts to manifest itself in some of those moments. Well, um, thanks for sharing that, but you never, ever have come off as a loser. I I know, see, you got (laughs) to fake it sometimes. Like, you have to just kind of muster some courage and say, you know what, I'm going to go for this. I posted a couple videos last week on my Instagram stories, and my first couple shots, I watched them, and I was like, man, I don't don't have any enthusiasm. There was no energy, so I completely reshot them. And faked uh, faked more enthusiasm and and animation in my speaking, and it was so much better. So sometimes you have to fake it, even though you don't feel it necessarily. So have you ever read Amy Cuddy's book? Um, oh Lord, um, I can't remember what it is. Um, it's like a power pose or something. I can't remember what her book is called. I haven't. Amy somewhere. Cuddy's. Uh, she so. Um, she even talks about that. So you can manufacture the serotonin levels in your body mm. by simply just putting, like, if you feel down, like yeah. you can do this. Yeah. And, just, and just, it forces a smile. It, and then yeah. the smile forces your body to yeah. um, give you that other feeling. There's also power poses. So if you felt bad, it's, it, she calls it, um, fake it till you become it instead of fake yeah, it till you make it. I love because that. I yeah. do too. You'd love this book. She has a TED yeah. talk if you want to okay. just, you know, I just pulled it. her up and I, I see that. So I'm going to watch it. But she does this thing. So there's, um, I know I've told the story before for them. So sorry, you guys, I'm just telling it again. I love this story that even people who have been blind their entire life, when they win a race, they put their arms up like this, right? Uh-huh. They, and this is a symbol of like, you're, you're being the biggest, you know, the, yeah. um, the, the, I don't know, the big gorillas do that. You know, they make yeah. themselves the biggest. Uh, so yeah. that is another thing about um, making, getting that serotonin level or the, you know, it puts down your cortisol. Yeah. Maybe it's not serotonin. I don't know. I'm not great about my um, tonins. Your, your brain, your <laughs> brain tonins. Right. Yeah. But it's really, um, it's a great way to kind of get that energy to, because they said that people who stood in a power pose, nobody saw them standing in it, but if they were, they assumed a power pose and that could be like the wonder woman. It could be just spreading your fingers out. If you're in a meeting, like a lot of lawyers do that. If you watch yeah. Perry Mason, it's like they do that on the yeah. table or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that people came across you. If I was just a, a blind reviewer and I'm reviewing the pe- person who stood or um, was in a power pose comes across as being more confident and more, yeah. um, that they're 
they're smarter. They're able to take the job on. And I think it is sometimes you do have to like, I know that I'm not ready to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And you know, it's like, you have kids, you know, I'm sure that there are times where like, I know you can do this. One of your kids names, I think. Max Mason and Miles. Let's just say Max went with the M's. That's good. Um, (laughs) So, but like you knew Max could do it. You knew he could jump off the diving board or you knew he could make it across, but he didn't know. And so sometimes it's really important for us to be those cheerleaders for other people, for all of us, no matter who is, it could be a cheerleader. I know, I think I was a cheerleader for my dad at one point when he had had a stroke and he could, he just felt, um, like he couldn't, he wasn't worth anything. He couldn't do yeah. anything. And I was like, well, get on the lawnmower. You can do that. And now he like mows, you know, 15, 16 acres on a tractor, you know, like yeah. this is, um, it, sometimes people just need purpose, but you have to yeah. be able to see what, that other people can do it. Anyway, it goes back to the beaver, to be honest, everything goes back to the beaver for me. I love the beaver. Talk uh, about hope. Like a beaver yeah. is, um, I don't know if you've ever seen this PBS uh, documentary about the beavers. Have you seen no, it? No. It's on, it's on YouTube. I'll put it in the okay. link below, but okay. I, I'll send it to you. But these, the beavers are not, they're meant for water, right? But they are such um, community driven. That's why I think designers are like beavers. And the um, mom beaver or dad beaver, they have like a apprentice beaver, right? You, you, you're an apprentice and you watch them and they have these like little T-Rex arms, but they still can, you know, get a whole tree come down. And if, you know, whatever, if uh, somebody comes and breaks up their dam, they're just like, oh, oh I hear the water. Let's, let's, yeah. yeah they don't ever yeah. are like, oh my gosh, yeah. everything's going to pieces, you know, like yeah. they're just like, oh, a, tor- a hurricane. It, it was a, earthquake, whatever. Hey, look, we get to build another dam today. And I think that I love that about the beaver anyway. Yeah. I like it. (laughs) Good. I like what you're talking about with power poses and things. And this is a big thing. Tony Robbins, especially in the early phase of his growth as a thought leader was all about this, was all about the, you know, the manifestation of your emotions and doing the, the motion will make you feel the motion. So what comes first, the smile because you're happy or you're happy because you're smiling? Which of those two things comes first? And it's the chicken and the egg mindset. And you can, based on research, you can force yourself to smile and it does change what happens in your brain to actually start feeling happier. And so I think that there's a lot of that, the body language that we embrace can affect how we actually feel. So sometimes you have to get up in the morning and you feel scared and you feel uh, unqualified and you have to fake it and you'll actually then start to become it like you said, Amy Cuddy uh, phrased it. And I love that. I'm gonna get her book. It's, Thank you. it's really good. And it's on Audible too, it just okay, in good. case people like to listen. Um, but there, for me, she she talks about, and I've I've had kids do this and Naomi said she stood in a power pose in a bathroom stall before walking into a proposal because there are, there are safe places. I mean, you don't want to be in the lobby of before an interview, like standing like this, that would be weird. Like they're going to be like, "Hmm, uh, tell her we're not available for the rest of the day, you know, but I think there are safe places that you could do that. And I think it's, it's really important for us, even especially in this time, Paul saying it's timely advice. You know, if you're feeling anxious about, I mean, anxiety is real, right? But, but stuff keeps flowing and you have to be part of that flow 
and you have to keep just stepping one step after another. You know, mm -hmm. my dad always says, um, you're only should be compared to who you were yesterday. And I think that's an mm -hmm. Abraham Lincoln quote, but really he's like, you can't compare yourself to anybody else. You can just improve on who you were yesterday. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I did a post a few days ago or last week that I like the concept of comparing yourself to yesterday, but I like the concept of comparing yourself to 10 years ago mm. or 20 years ago, even better. I think a lot of times people compare themselves to yesterday and they're like, oh, I'm not getting anywhere. Oh, what's the point? But if you compare uh. yourself to 10 years ago, you can easily see the changes and the improvements that you've made. So I'm a, I, I think the, the point of that quote from Abraham Lincoln was don't compare yourself to somebody else, right. compare you to you and not to you and to you in the past. So compare yourself to you in the past, but I like a longer time horizon mm -hmm. where you can see those changes much more clearly than you can in just the day to day. I w we were talking about this before, before we went live, that really it's like, if you look at how you are, if you're worried about the economy and things like that, mm -hmm. the economy's been good and now we have no idea what it's gonna be, but you have yeah. to just, you know, harness that. Can you kind of share kind of what, like, because you, it's about having a joyful perspective, I think, yeah. and a positive perspective because you are in charge of what happens to you, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I went, I've been through two economic downturns in my career. One was in 2002 when the markets tanked because the dot-com bubble burst and businesses went out of business, you know, in one week. They were all built on this dot-com money and then poof, they were gone. And uh, then the other one was, and, and during that one, I started my agency. I was trying to get a job. Right. That's I couldn't right. get a job and I started getting freelance work and it became my agency. Now I wish that I would have had that foresight back then where I could have seen this moment hurts but the outcome of this moment is going to force me into something so much better for my life. Hmm. I wish I could have seen that and I didn't. So instead, I spent my days scared, nervous, hoarding cash, afraid for the next project. All the, the, the fear and miserable feelings you can have as an entrepreneur, I felt those all for the first year of my business, but I didn't have any vision that this was gonna become an agency and win awards and be sold and make me a lot of money. I didn't have any of that vision. I wish that I would've because that's a better perspective than the fear perspective that I had. Then I went through it again in 2008. Um, 2007, oh no, see 2008, between January and October of 2008, I billed $1.5 million and I had 12 employees. Then October, it was like somebody turned the faucet off. All of a sudden, clients are cutting their budgets. Everybody, all our clients are freaking out. They're missing meetings. Projects are getting pulled. It was like the sky was falling and it was the, the housing market crash that caused the, the economic recession. And uh, in 2009, I only billed $700,000, so it was less than half what I billed the year before. I had to cut my team to six people. I, I made a total profit of $17,000 in 2009. 
And this was after big profit in 2008. So I wish that I would have seen the opportunities that were happening then. Because during that recession, I also bought a commercial office space that became our new studio. And I bought it for, you know, cents on the dollar compared to what it was selling for in 2008. And right. that one asset is, is probably my biggest single economic asset that I own right now. I didn't know that. I didn't know that the slump was an opportunity. People are looking at the stock market and they're thinking, oh my gosh, the Dow Jones just went from 28, 29,000 to 18,000 something right now today. Oh no, what am I going to do? Well, if Best Buy discounted all of their televisions <laughs> by 33% for one day, people would be lining up outside to buy. And that's the, that's the opportunity. It's like, there's an opportunity here in a slump for you to position yourself to emerge out of this bigger and better than you ever were before. It forces you to, to look at yourself. What, where am I in my skill set? Oh, we're all quarantined around the world right now. Well, spend your time in Skillshare or on YouTube videos or work on pet projects on Photoshop. Get better because when the market turns around, you're going to be in a much better position to capitalize on it. If you have money to invest, man, buy the, buy the stock market when everybody's panicking. That's the time to buy, not the time to sell, not the time to, to fear. So there's opportunity in the pain. That's what we have right now. And I think that that perspective, I think, is so important to me. And I've seen it in the past, these moments when I was stupidly scared. Mm. I should have been opportunistic. And I am now. I mean, I've lost a lot of money in the last week and a half or two weeks in the stock market. But I go to bed at night. I'm not I don't even look at the, my total valuation anymore. I'm like, oh, well, it's... Because you, you I, know it will come back. I know it will come back. We will be laughing at 18,000 Dow Jones in 10 years when the Dow is at 40,000. Everybody's going to be sitting there thinking, I should have bought. Why, was I, why did I sell my whole portfolio when I should have been buying during that time? But it's so hard because our, our psychology is the news. Coronavirus is going to destroy the world. The stock market is terrible. The President Trump is the worst president ever. I mean, you see everything that is like the media trying to convince you to not have confidence in anything right now. But look for opportunities in the madness and invest in yourself to emerge out of this a bigger and better person than, than what you are today. And another great thing we can do is reach out to our customers. Our, so a lot of people, so they're trying to figure out how to do other things. How can they still, if they have a yoga studio, 
hey, yeah. you know what? There's this thing called Zoom. Those people probably yeah. are not on Zoom. They have no idea what this is, but y'all know how to mm -hmm. use it. So there's anybody can get a 40 minute free, you know, but like that's one thing I'm doing for some of my professor friends. I'm just going to make some extra videos. I talked to somebody yeah. this morning and I'm just taking them through like you can still have a 50 person class, but you yeah. can use the breakout rooms. There's other things like and the guy uh, who I talked to, he was like, well, um, I guess I'll just record them. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not recording my classes. They got to come just like every other day if they don't come. Cause then they'll be like, Oh, you know what? I'll just do it this weekend. And then the weekend yeah. never comes. So it's yeah. still really, really yeah. important that you can come together and that they, people can, um, we can talk about anything that's happening. I think it's also important that we still are meeting, you know, like I think yeah. that that's, um, the best part we have the internet we have yeah. hopefully we have things that are uh that we are providing but maybe there's something else that's a something that's really put on people's heart like i know there's a lot of kids who go to school and they have two meals provided per day right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. yeah. maybe there's something that uh, if that's heavy on your heart then you start something or we can make websites like people we yeah. can make these things and we can bring things together and we can start things we don't even have to leave our house to do this all yeah. we have to have is uh we we are actually we are beavers we can make the change we can make yeah. the the we can dam up the pool so that we can all have water and a place to live so we just need to be able to reach out to people we still have all these tools right at our disposal and i think for us being visionary like i think that um i think it's hard when you're younger and you don't have you haven't lived through something like this yeah it's like you're saying you know well i was just gonna freelance and then it turned into me having my own firm well mm -hmm. because you did that now you knew how and this the whole reason we were talking was about pivoting and you yeah. had to pivot you were like okay i'm gonna get a job and i'm gonna be yeah. at a job at an awesome place and then you got a job yeah. at the coffee shop right yeah and then yeah. um but you said hey i am not gonna stay at the coffee shop you did yeah. not let that define you and i think yeah. that that's the other thing this does not define us how can how can there's something in all of this no matter what if it was the housing market again if it was whatever how are you going to use this to help other people and i think that's what you've done with everything you've learned you're always like taking it in and sharing it back mm -hmm. out hey this is what i learned this is mm -hmm. this is how you could use it and i think yeah. that um a lot of people are afraid to share kind of those insights so yeah. why has that not been have you been writing more at this point? I, cause you always said you wrote when you like go on vacation. I was what, cause it feels sort of like a vacation sometimes. Cause you're yeah. like at your house, but I'm so well, Instagram content is like consumes me and I'm making a huge course for freelancers. Uh, and that's what I'm working on in my non coaching hours. So, uh, that's what's consuming my time. But the, the thing relating to writing, one of the things that I did in 2008, and, and I'm a believer in this. I believe that we live in this world and we go through experiences because we're supposed to learn from them and grow and improve. One of the things in my book, Burn Your Portfolio, I have the chapter called Two, Two Types of Grandpas. One is the old grumpy grandpa who sits in his rocking chair on the front porch and yells at the neighbor kids for stepping on his lawn. The other type of grandpa is the sage wise grandpa who all the grandkids and great grandkids just want to spend time with grandpa because he has the answer to all their problems. Now these two grandpas lived the same amount of time. They 
went through the same things. They went through World War II and the Great Depression and who knows what else they've they've lived through depending on their age. And the the Vietnam War and the Carter era presidency and economic turmoil in 1987 and 2002 and 2008. And they've been through all that. And they've come out of it in two different ways. One is the crotchety old grandpa who blames the world for all of his misfortunes. And the other one is the wise grandpa. And we're, each of us is either becoming this grandpa or grandma. This is the, the metaphor. But it depends, what we become, one of those two types of grandpas, depends on how we go through these challenges in our lives. If we go through them looking around saying, oh, you know, Donald Trump is to blame for the coronavirus outbreak and he should have sent everybody home. He didn't invent that. I'm not defending Trump. I'm just saying he didn't invent the coronavirus. This is something that's been inflicted on the whole world. We're all going through this. So the, uh, the alternative perspective is to say, what can I learn from being quarantined in my house for the next two weeks to four months, what can I learn from that experience? Because I will probably never go through that again in my life. You and I, we will probably never see this ever again. It's been forever. This has never happened where the world has shut down this way. Even going back to like the era of the Spanish flu, the, just the media didn't translate, transition the message to the world in a way that made the world shut down. So we're probably never gonna see this again. So the question is, which grandpa or grandma are you becoming? And a lot of that determine, is determined by how you go through these different challenges in your life. Now, 2008, I took this mindset, and I, maybe it was early 2009, but I was like, you know what? If I'm supposed to learn something from having my billings cut in half, laying off half my team, losing half of my money in the stock market, if I'm supposed to learn something from that, I better freaking write it down because I don't want to go through this again. I don't want this trial to come to me again. So I'm going to learn what I'm supposed to learn so I don't have to endure this again. And I opened up my journal, which I'm not a huge journal writer, but I started writing down every, every lesson that I was learning from these experiences. And I just started writing because I thought, you know what, there's no better proof to me that I've learned my lesson than me articulating it in a way that I write it down. And it changes my perspective. Like I'm sitting here now uh, having lost a lot of money and being quarantined in my house and the whole world is in panic and uproar. And I'm, I'm not unhappy. I'm, I'm content. I love what I do. I love to get up in the morning. I love having my kids around a little bit more as long as they don't get too stir crazy. And, uh, but I'm, but I'm better in this experience today because I went through it before and I learned from it during that time. And that is it's super important, but it's also about being, um, able to in, be introspective and taking time to be introspective. Yeah. So maybe this is something that we all have. We're all given this gift of this time. And I know some people are like time. I don't have any extra time. Now I got to like juggle yeah. kids and I got to, but then there will never be another time that your kids are home like this, yeah. you know? So yeah. this will be a senior year for some people or a, a junior year or a fifth grade year or whatever year that they will never forget because 
this it's like you and I are about the same age. So you yeah. remember when the space shuttle uh, blew up, right? I remember I was sitting in middle school watching it on television like everybody else. It was crazy. So we yeah. had a snow day in Atlanta and I remember uh -huh. I remember where I was sitting on the, like yeah. we had a fireplace and I was sitting on the hearth and I was looking at the TV and you know, our TVs were small, yes, you know, they I were mean, nothing yeah. like what we have yeah. now. And, and I remember when um, September 11th and somebody on the news was saying, Oh, this is worse than September 11th. And I'm like, okay, you know, I think the media is a, I don't even have the TV on. Sometimes my mom yeah. will say, well, did you see the news today? And I'm yeah. like, no. Yeah. Um, but I am not saying anything bad, but I do think they, it, they're trying to have stuff to put on the TV and yeah. they're, it, they like to drama, you know, yeah. like that's yeah. a TV show right there. Yeah. So it's, it's funny, but I think we can use this. I remember when I, um, we first got to, we were able to do stuff like this on like with Skype or, yeah, but even yeah. with doing larger things, like I was part of this platform called Spreecast. And, and I remember, Oh my goodness, we can come together from people all over and look like we got Jacob in Slovakia mm -hmm. today. We got um, Michael Fonville in Texas. We got Patricia in Portland or out. She's in, in Washington, but she's right on the border. Um, Demi is in London. I mean, you got people from all over and we're coming together and we're, we're still trying to grow and learn. And I think that that mm -hmm. is a great perspective. So you have to just remind people who are around, remind our clients that, um, we're here and there will be another day. It is not, yeah. um, tomorrow. It, it may not be tomorrow, but it might be, you know, so what can we do? How can we adjust so that, and Naomi said this, I think, or um, somebody said it, that they can be on top when they get back. Yeah, I think that that's really an important part of us just having the perspective. So going yeah. back to that time in um, when you were first starting Riser and you didn't have that, you didn't have a vision. So I think yeah. that that's a really hard thing, especially for it being is. young. I think it's hard to kind of think about that. And you are kind of in that fear mindset. A lot mm. of people live like that for a long time. Yeah. So when did when did you get in that um was it with books you were reading or was it just what happened that you started thinking about the future and planning things or having more of a future mindset and looking at the opportunities in a down slump instead of just woe gloom and doom it was so it was all fear-based for the first few years even my first couple hires were like mm. a response to my fear it was a new fear. I had too much work. I was working crazy hours. I had a new fear that I had to invest against. And that was the fear of not getting the work done for my clients. But it was never a proactive approach in the early days of I'm investing in the future of my business here. And so I'm going to hire these key employees to fulfill the needs that I have because I'm growing a business. It was always oh crap, I greenlit more work, I gotta get it done, I gotta get some people or my clients are gonna be mad at me. Mm -hmm. And then if they're mad at me, they're not gonna give me more, more work. And then if I don't get more work, I'm not gonna be able to feed my kids. This is the trickle, the fear trickle that mm -hmm. happens. So it was about maybe three, four employees in where I, it was kind of, it, it all happened in about a month's worth of time. And I don't remember the exact timing, but it was kind of this mindset of, I now had a little leased office space and I had three or four employees. And I remember kind of thinking, man, this is, 
this isn't going away. This isn't, I'm getting more work than I've ever had. I have busy employees now. Maybe I got to start looking at what is it that I can accomplish here and not how am I going to solve the fear in my life? And so that it's just a paradigm shift. And I think we all can force ourselves to do that, especially now where fear is the mantra in, in a slumping economy and a global outbreak. Fear is what people are feeling. But if you kind of tweak the dial a little bit and say, what are my opportunities here? I went on this riff already, but what are my opportunities here? I can tell you opportunity number one is if you're self-employed or freelancing, stay in business because not everybody is going to stay in business and the comp, the competitive landscape is going to be smaller in a year than it is today because some people are going to fail and they're going to go get jobs and now there are less competitors for you. Uh, that's one of the things that happened in 2008, 2009. A lot of agencies started to go out of business. 2002, same thing. Some of these big agencies like March 1st, and they were a big known agency in LA and they had all dot-com clients and the, the dot-com market tanks and they lose all their clients and they go out of business and it was just that fast. It seemed like, you know, in a matter of weeks, they were done. Uh, that provides opportunity for you. So I, th I think it's just look, tweak the dial and say, okay, what are my opportunities here to capitalize on a fear market when everybody else is panicking? How can I uh, capitalize on that? And I don't recommend buying 18,000 bottles of hand sanitizer like the, the guys in Tennessee did. Uh, that's not my recommendation on how to capitalize on it, but invest in yourself and look for opportunities for the future of your business, not just reacting to the fear that's happening right now. Okay. I love that. And I also, um, I'm with you on the it, it's been a little crazy, like going to the grocery store or something, yeah. right? But yeah. like um, my mom, she was here and now she's not here. But anyway, she and my dad were like going out to eat. I'm like, look, you're 77. You need to, yeah. you need to you're stay in, inside. You're in the risk, right? the risk quadrant. Yeah. And I was like, you, she's like, and I know my dad, he's like, I'm bored here. You know, like, thank yeah. goodness they have internet, but oh, she's back. Um, can't talk about her anymore. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> their internet is a little flaky, but, um, but it, we weren't saying anything bad, mom, just so you know, <laughs> but I think that there, that is, has to do with everybody else. You know, you don't really think it seems unreal, but maybe we just take this and we are very empathetic to the other people that are out there yes. and we really start taking this as, okay, maybe you're fine. Maybe I'm fine, but you never know if somebody else who just had to go to the grocery store isn't yeah. fine and you could yeah. be a carrier or who knows, you know, just sometimes it's, it's good to just, we don't know everything. Let's just try to do what they're telling us to do. And, yeah. you know, sometimes just following the rules can be a, a really great thing for maybe that old grumpy grandpa, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So go well, ahead. let me just let one last thing on this. I believe you're better off getting your information from the CDC website than you are from MSNBC or Fox news or any media outlet that is giving you opinion 
assumption of information, not the raw information from the CDC. So I just am skipping every headline about the coronavirus and I'm going to the cdc.com website and getting it from the Center for Disease Control because I figure I can make my own interpretation of what my panic level should be, <laughs> not let the media decide what my panic level should be. That's right. And you know, yeah. a lot of people, it's really a ton of pollen out for us. I don't know if it's that y'all still maybe are in the end of winter, right? But yeah. it's it's warm. I mean, I'm in shorts. I've been in shorts all week. You know, it's yeah. in the eighties and there's tons of pollen. So maybe yeah. the reason I have a headache is because there's so much pollen, not because, <laughs> not um, because you have Because I went to the grocery store. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So one of the things that I also love about you is just that you have a willingness to share and a willingness to kind of, at, if you look at back from not being able to find a job and going mm. to the copy shop, but then being at the copy shop, being the best employee, learning as much as you possibly could at the copy yeah. shop. Yeah. Copy shop. I don't, yeah. I that's good. That right. Anyway. <laughs> and then you, then you, you had a job, you did that. And now you were trying to find another job and then yeah. it didn't work out. You started riser. And then I know why you were getting so much work at that point, because you were doing the job of getting work. That was, yeah. and you had other people doing this other stuff. So no wonder, like it just kept coming in because of yeah. that. And then I think it is, it's in those times. So in those pivot places, you've been able to um, reflect and be yes. able to see, but you've also had a, uh, faith in yourself that you would be able to do work and that you weren't going to let anybody down. I think that's the other thing yeah. is that is something I really admire about you that you would always put your clients first. You put the people who you're coaching first, I mean, and your family first, you know, you're doing you, there is a mindset that other people are really important and the other people in your life. And it doesn't matter if you're just saying a quick something or you're putting an Instagram post or you're responding mm -hmm. to somebody in email people have always been important. And I think sometimes at this point, a lot of people can kind of vacuum in and just be really, um, uh, we are, you know, on quarantine, but it doesn't mean that we can't connect um, yeah. with these amazing platforms. So yeah. how, what is your coaching uh, calendar been like? Has it, because it seems like a lot of people would be in that fear, like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? So I I've started hearing the the panic response of, oh no, my clients are saying that they're putting this project on hold or, oh no, my clients are talking about cutting their budgets and things like that. And, you know, the trickle down is inevitably going to happen. I go to 2008 and I'll give you this example, uh, Chevrolet owned Pontiac and Saturn brands. Mm -hmm. And in order to reduce costs, my, I, I assume that's what the intention was, in order to reduce costs, they, could, they discontinued those brands completely. They shut down Pontiac, they shut down Saturn, Saturn. and both of those were selling a lot of cars. I mean, Pontiac goes back 100 years in the car world and they just closed that brand completely. So now there are no ads for Pontiac. And now the agency that had the Pontiac account does not get work. And now the freelancers who used to work for that agency outsourced don't get work. 
And now those freelancers make less money and so they don't go out to eat as often. And now the restaurant makes less money and the restaurant has to close the store. I mean, this this trickle down that happens. And this is, this is why the stock market is tanking right now because, the, because investors know that this shutdown is gonna have repercussions for the next year or two. And so, you know, going back to, and as I started talking about that, what was your original question on this on, oh, what have I been hearing on coaching sessions? That's, I think, the, the overall fear uh, is how is this going to affect me and my business? So my first advice is cut every unnecessary expense. Go and look, and if you're not, if you're not using your Skillshare account very often, then turn it off. Stop spending the monthly fee on it. Start cutting costs because you need to stay in business as long as possible because things will turn around and they can turn around fast. I mean, we might find that six months from now there's a coronavirus vaccine and all of a sudden everybody stops panicking about that and the stock market starts taking off. Um, so, So start looking at your expenses and cut those expenses first reduce your lifestyle to be able to live on less money. Um, when I, I'm making a post about this, but when we're fearful, don't look long-term, look short-term. And the shorter term you look, the less fearful you'll be. So if you look at it and say, oh no, I'm panicking. What if my business fails? Well, do you, do you have money in the bank right this second? Do you have food in your cabinet right this second? Don't look six months down the road and start panicking that your business is going to fail because you have no idea what is going to happen six months down the road. So shorten the timeline, live hour by hour, if that's what you have to do, or live day by day. And I can look at, you know, I've, like I said, I've, my, my stock accounts have been hammered and stuff, but I'm still fine and I'll be fine for a long time. So I'm not going to panic right now because it's long-term perspective. Now, when we're hopeful, look long-term. Look at that and say, oh, I'm going to go and accomplish this. I'm going to accomplish my dreams. I'm going to climb that mountain. I'm going to start this agency and start dreaming about good things long-term. But when you're fearful, look short-term and stop thinking long-term. That's a great That's great advice. I I do love that you are the visualization that you're doing is that you make the goal, not that you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to get tripped all the way to the goal. Right. Like you, it's because if that happens, they say when you're mountain biking, um, I used to mountain bike. I like to do it down. I don't like to go up, but, um, (laughs) but they say, if you look where you're going to, where your bike's going to go, if you look at a tree, you will fall, you will run into the tree. If you look at that rock, you will go right on that rock. And then, But it's like you have to keep, you have to keep looking and changing that perspective to be where you want to go. And I think yeah. that that is where, if you're really fearful, um, they talk about that fear and excitement are the same uh, chemical reaction in your body. And you, mm-hmm. the only difference is that you breathe through one of them, and the one you hold your breath. And I just, mm. and, you know, just for y'all, just we just all need to breathe, especially when we're we start 
panicking. And I think that's where we need to come in to community and yeah. come together and at least talk about it. I think that those, yeah. those things are super important. So, yes. All right. So we're going to change. We're going to pivot a little bit in our awesome. thing and we're going to talk we about talked about anything <laughs> that was on the original list yet <laughs> well i do talk about the people at the beginning of the journey so i i love that you answered that question um what do you think uh, so i also think this kind of goes into pivoting so when you're on instagram and you um because i think that we always there's always going to be pivots like you've talked about how you've pivoted in multiple mm -hmm places in your life. But when, when you, um, is it a gut thing because you've done it enough to get that gut reaction and you know what's going to perform well, or is it something that, um, and how do you measure your success? Because, you know, if you put something out at midnight, it might not be a good time to put it out, but it might've yeah. been great content, right? Yeah. I did that a couple Saturdays ago. I decided to post a post on a Saturday Cause I was like, you know what? I haven't posted on a Saturday for a while. And I completely wasted a good post on a Saturday because it performed 50% of what it would have done during a weekday. And so I kicked myself for that and I learned my lesson, but this is after almost a year of <laughs> nearly daily posting. And I still made a, a mistake that I knew in my gut was the wrong decision, but I, I, I did it anyway. So I think, you know, we build intuition over time by making good decisions and bad decisions. I took to heart the mindset, and that's what became Burn Your Portfolio book, was writing down what I'm learning from all of these good decisions and bad decisions. If I, if I want to replicate the good, I need to create, I need to understand the lesson and create a system to replicate the good from mindset to action checklist. And if I want to avoid the bad, I need to know what the lesson was, what the experience was, and then I need to create the new mindset and a new checklist so that I never have that bad thing happen again. And I think that that's good advice for anybody going through their career. It's how you build your gut instinct. It's how you build your intuition. It's not just that you wake up one day and you have better business sense than the next person and that's why you're successful. No, the people who have good business sense have been through it. They've learned from all their previous experiences and now they know where to pivot and tweak the dials because they, they took the time to do that introspection and learn the lesson that they needed to learn from each of the experiences, good and bad. And like I said at the start, that's what became my whole first book was exactly that. If you read through that book, it's, it's like, okay, this is what sucked in my life. And here's what I did about it. And here this chapter is, look at what I did and look how great this turned out. And here's how you can do that. So, I mean, that, the whole book to me is that. It's, it's the lesson from each of these experiences. So the advice to everybody listening is open up your journal and start writing down your lessons that you're learning from your own experiences, whether they're in the middle of economic freak out and coronavirus or just normal life. You want to replicate the good and avoid the bad in the future. And that's how you'll build that intuition. And I think it's showing up every day, right? It's trying something else. Like even though after a year you were like, oh, I'm going to 
try the Saturday yeah. thing. Yeah. Maybe you, but maybe it reached some people that were on that Saturday that it really needed yes. to reach, right? I love um, that perspective. Good. <laughs> but but yeah. I think that it's about getting out there and trying things all the time. It's not yeah. just posting once a month. It's being present in the the tool, right? It's yeah. not like, you know what? I know how to use a hammer. Well, I'm going to use it once a year and I'm going to be a master at a hammer. You know, yeah. you are out there and you're putting stuff out there and you're trying things that some will not go as others. So how yeah. are you determining what is a successful post? Oh, uh, for Instagram, what's a successful post? For me, for you, yeah. For me, it is the quantity of comments, I think, mm. because because I'm a people person. And so I want that interaction and the comments are more valuable to me than, than quantity of likes or even the quantity of shares. I've never been, I, I don't get caught up in the numeric growth of my account. I celebrate it as it grows and I get excited and it's motivating to me because I'm self-competitive. So I want to keep seeing it grow because it's a metric, but that hasn't been my focus. My focus has been building relationships with people like you and the 1000 other people that I've become friends with in the past year that I wake up in the morning and I'm so excited to see a DM from them or a, a uh, an email or a text message or whatever. I just love that so much. And the comments is where those kinds of things start. It's um, so for me, that's the metric. If I can, post something that resonates enough for somebody to take the time to write a message. That's the part that I love the most. So Jose says consistency has been his Achilles heel. So how did you become able to be so consistent at anything? So it doesn't matter if it was working out or having dinner with your wife or like, what was it? Is it always been like, have, is consistency something that has been easy for you or is that has, has that been something that you've had to, to embrace? I would thrive in the military. I'm, I'm like born that way. It's like, let's get up at 6 a.m. and drop and give 50 push-ups. And I, if I decide that that's what I'm going to do, I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. So I'm, I'm just built that way. So I, I honestly, I don't really have advice for people who aren't built that way because it's so entrenched in me. And once I embrace that about myself, it's hard to turn it off. And, and if you ask my wife what my biggest failing what would be, it would be that. It, it's my greatest attribute and my greatest failing as well. So for me, where it comes from, I think mentally is once I commit to something, I'm all in, I'm not stopping. So if I'm going to post to, if I'm going to reply to every DM, on Instagram, which I've done for almost a year now. I started April 1st last year. I've been replying to every, every DM and I get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of DMs, thousands of DMs every week. And I'm replying to every single one. People send me their work and, and they're like, what do you think of this? And I'm, I reply back and say, it looks great. You know, I try and be that cheerleader like you do, Diane, uh, for creatives. It looks great. Keep going. You know, I reply to those things, but it's because I made the decision that I'm going to reply to every DM. So I'm, I'm in it. Once I make the decision to not do that, then I can turn it off because now I'm committed to the, to the non-decision. I'll give you another example. I started last 
uh, in Christmas of 2018, I got an Apple Watch for the first time. And the Apple Watch is not healthy for me. The little exercise app that gives you a little badge every day that you hit your calorie number or your move number. I hit that thing for like 46 days in a row or something. It's like Sunday nights. I'm, I'm 200 calories down. So I'm doing jumping jacks in my basement. You know, it's just that it's honestly, it was so extreme. It's so extreme that I had to just say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm not going to turn on, I'm not going to put on the Apple watch today because I can't do this anymore. It's not healthy for my life, but that's the way that I am. Um, so a lot of it comes from just self-competitive nature and from once I make a decision, I'm all in and I'm going for it. Okay. So now I have another question. Okay. Uh, two actually. So, and just to get Jose, he's like, it's not a lack of discipline or lack of commitment. It's that he's, it's prioritizing client work and other mm. stuff. So I would say, uh, my thing to Jose would say, you have to prioritize, this goes back to Demi. So you and yeah. Demi need to be friends. Demi, you need to give him your email address or something. Um, but Demi talks about, he was total chaos before he got in the military because he's Greek and they have to spend yeah. a year in the military. He loved okay. it. It was a savior for him. And yeah. then, but, but he has a thing about revenue tomorrow and he spends at least mm -hmm. two hours a day doing revenue tomorrow. So Jose, you and Demi need to um, talk, but um, what would you say to him about prioritizing that he's not prioritizing his business? So I would say every day you should do something that relates to sales. And sometimes that is Instagram. Sometimes it's emailing your current clients. Sometimes it's emailing a past client. Sometimes it's reaching out to somebody new that you just met and inviting them to lunch. But it's some kind of action every day that relates to sales. Now, Instagram is a marketing channel that relates to sales in your business. You don't have to do it you can do something else that relates to sales that maybe takes less time. Don't chase Instagram and growing on Instagram just because you want the vanity metric. And I'm not saying that you, that it's a vanity related thing, but it feels good to have a lot of followers. But most of the people who follow designers are other designers, which works well for me because that's my platform. But if you're a designer trying to get clients, most of the people who follow you are not going to be clients. It's, it's a low yield, sales activity compared to reaching out to past clients and keeping those relationships up and taking an existing client to lunch so that they give you the next project. That's high yield sales activities. Instagram is low yield sales activities. So don't, don't punish yourself mentally for not being consistent on Instagram. If you, especially if you have work, if you, the whole point of posting for you as a designer is to generate clients. But if you have work, then don't try and beat yourself up for not posting on Instagram to generate more clients. There'll, there'll come a time. I think it's just seasons for, for everything. When I had my agency going, we had no social media presence. I mean, it was, it was the landscaper's lawn. It, the landscaper's lawn is full of weeds and it's never mowed. But everybody who is their client has a perfectly manicured lawn. And, it, and as designers, we're in the same situation uh, like that. A lot of times it's our own marketing that suffers. 
don't compare yourself to people like me who can spend a lot more time doing it either. And this is something that I've mentioned a few times, but my growth hack on Instagram is that I don't do client work. I'm not, I'm not spending six hours or eight hours a day cranking out client work. I'm spending my time working with creatives in coaching, preparing lectures and courses and writing books all for creatives to help them level up. And then a lot of that becomes Instagram content as well. So this is my job. Instagram fits right into the into this, the sweet spot of what my whole purpose is in my career right now, but to the people who are beating themselves up for not being consistent on Instagram, there will be a time and a place for it sometime in the future. And there will always be social media from now until the end of time. This is, this changed the world for the better in most sense. Uh, and there will always be a time for it in the future. Okay. So I know we're almost out of time and I'd want to be conscious of that. So why is commitment so important to you? This was not on the sheet, but it goes with what you just, because you were like, I'm committing to this. I'm going. So my big thing is that once I commit to something, I almost never cannot then commit. Like, I feel like it's like a marriage, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, well, I'm in it. Like you said, well, then I might commit to saying I'm going to stop doing this. Yeah. And and maybe that was where it was like when you decided to sell riser. Cause that was like, it's a big break. It's a different yeah. change in your life, but yeah. you realize that there was something else and it was a clear direction for what your next direction was. Mm-hmm. But do you ever feel because you're so relational, do you ever feel guilty when you think about quitting the relationships of answering the DMS every day? Oh yeah. I feel bad even thinking about it, but there will come a day <laughs> There will come a day when I can't do it anymore, when I it just can't get to all of them. And I'm almost there now. I mean, it's a lot of, of correspondence. And, but I'm not there yet. Um, I don't know. I keep hoping for better tools so that I can do it faster. I voice dictate a lot of them so that not leaving a voice message, but letting Siri dictate my, my voice into text. And... Um, so I, I do things to speed it up, but yeah, the commitment thing, um, I, I don't re- really recall what the question clearly was, but it's, that's just so much how I'm built mm. and it's a curse as much as it is a blessing. I honestly, I wake up in the morning and I'm in the hamster wheel and I'm going and I'm running as fast as I can all day. And it's, and it's really, really hard for me to turn it off. It is life. me too. I think I asked that in a selfish yeah, way. Because you're I'm, on 300 something episodes three, of 335 podcast. today. Yes. So exactly. This is case in point. You started your podcast and now you're 300. Hardly anybody gets to 300 something episodes on a podcast. And so it just is a testament that you are built this way too. Of- like I think that I couldn't. So Chris Doe, he said to me, he's like, "Well, Diane, you got enough content. Why don't you just um, why don't you just work on like repurposing that? Like, don't make anymore." And I was like, "Oh, because Amy shows up every week. I gotta come yeah. for Amy. You know, I mean, yeah. thankfully Amy has Amy Lyons in Raleigh. She's been coming like, like it'll be eight years in yeah. in." June and but it's like I I know these people like Jose's a new friend this week but like everybody in this chat over here I 
I know Paul and I haven't met on the computer yet, but we've talked on uh, on LinkedIn. And you know, it's like I feel like, and and that I think is uh, except Galaxy S10 Plus. I don't know who you are, right? <laughs> but I think some some of the greatest part is that is memory you know i have a good memory and i'm yeah. I, but i want people to know that they're seen but yeah. i also couldn't i couldn't let them down like i remember i my aunt asked me one time i was at my parents and i was like well i gotta get back because i gotta go to the library and do this thing and she's like what are you who's making you do this yeah and yeah. i had made a five-year commitment and this was like <laughs> year three and i remember that um she said that in a way like she thought my boss was making me do it or something. Uh -huh. and, and I was like, no, I, I made a commitment to myself, you know, to show up. And I think, I think it's important for us to do that with our clients. I think that when we stop showing up, when we stop being there is when they, um, we fall off of their radar, you know? Yes. And, and and I think, you know, this has been a rough week for a lot of my clients. And I mean, I got cussed out on one day and I, it wasn't that I had done anything wrong. I just happened to walk up at the yeah. wrong time, not physically walk up because, right. Recipient of all of their stress. Right. Yeah. And I can take it. Um, I, I'm but okay. But doesn't it hurt you because you're a good hearted person and you're like, I, I only want the best for you. Why are you hating on me? This is, this is, does it hurt? <laughs> it, well, but this, it, so it makes me think, is it time to break that, uh, yeah. that relationship? So it's they, my, my clients, much like yours, I think they become my friends, you know, yeah. these are people. Yeah. And then a lot of times, you know, some clients are really business oriented and then some are not. And the ones who are like, I don't want to not be friends with them because it's like somebody I can geek out about business with, you know, because right. not everybody walking around is like us, you know, the people in the chat that we are willing to give up an hour each week and talk about business and design and stuff, yeah. right? Like my mom, yeah. she's like, I don't even know what the stuff you're talking about is, but yeah. she comes, you know? <laughs> yeah. And the reason she comes, I think, is because my dad was like, well, Diane, does your boss watch and i was like mm, no and yeah he, and he said well don't you think he should and i was like <laughs> i was like have you ever watched yeah. and he's like yeah. <laughs> oh, i'm gonna get your mom to watch next oh. week you know <laughs> so he may be watching today but um Maybe. <laughs> but he may be galaxy no i'm just kidding i know my dad doesn't have a galaxy phone <laughs> he has a flip phone people um but i think that it's one of those things that we, but i think it's just important that we're together and people have and there's so much about in our business is that we're just present. You said, yeah. Hey, you know what? Just keep doing business because the, it's a, it's a marathon. It is not a sprint. I see yeah. so many people start podcasts, right? And especially when you're starting it with somebody else, like I think with Tom and the honest designers, that's something yeah. he's done with yeah. and it's hard. He has four people he has c committed to, you know, know, each week. So, I mean, those are yeah. all four amazing people, but now y'all have the biz buzz podcast. Yeah, I've been listening. Yeah. I love it, but it Thanks. is, it is, um, it's a commitment now between you and Tom that you're going to come together and you're going to do this. Who knows? Yeah. But it is hard when you have to commit, you have to, um, now Tom's super committed, right? And you're yeah, super committed, I, yeah. but it's, it, it's hard to find somebody who's that committed to this mm -hmm. as you mm -hmm. are right mm -hmm. that, that's a whole oh, yeah. nother podcast episode is finding yeah. somebody who's as committed to you right but yeah. i think i don't understand why we're committed like why we have that gene in us 
I don't know what it is. But I'm going to work on trying to crack that nut into some kind of, and maybe when, maybe you could work on it too, not to give you an assignment. I will. Let's both work on it for the next six or eight months and then do a, a conversation like this on how do we try and help people replicate that if they don't have that gene? Because I've never seen content on here's how you can here's how you can up your level of commitment or consistency or discipline. I don't know where that content is. I've never read anything about it, but that is a nut that could have massive value to a lot of people. I feel like it's built into me. You do too. How do we crack that nut? I think could be a really, really interesting conversation. All right. I'll work on it. So one thing on the other side, Chris said to me, he was like, well, Diane, um, cause I remember when the guy, the first guy I ever got into podcasting, listening to podcasts. And I remember when he stopped making it and I was so like, I was hurt. And yeah. I think that's why I think about it. Like I'm making a commitment to these people to come every Wednesday. Yeah. I remember how hurt I was because I needed the information and it was just, yeah. it was easy. Right. And he had a great personality. He's still alive. It's not like he died. If he had died, I wouldn't have given him a hard time. Right. Like <laughs> how could he die? Some slack. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I think I didn't think about it like that. And Chris was like, wow, Diane, that's a lot of pressure you're putting on someone. And I was like, Oh, I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. But I guess it's the pressure I put on myself because the people are so important. And I think you are the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's what drives me. I honestly, I sit here, we've been talking for an hour and I'm like, oh man, I got a bunch of DMs that I got to get, got to get back to. Uh, how many are good? How many are going to be there? Who, who needs me? I, I want to be there for them because nobody was there for me. That's the kind of thing yeah. that drives me. Uh, it emotionally drives me to, to keep going. And I hope it doesn't go away. That's the thing. I mean, I hope that for me, because this is such an enjoyable part of my career and I really feel like I found my why in life and I'm doing it right now and I'm only a year into it and I can, I hope that I can just do this run for the next 20 years and just output so much content to help so many creatives and that I can leave a legacy for my kids as a result of that. I, that's what I'm hoping happens for me uh, and that motivates me. To, to keep going as well. Cause I feel like this is just so spot on. It finally, after a 20 something year career figured out what really makes me tick. But had you not had that successful and challenging 20 year career, you wouldn't have the same insight. I would have. have nothing to share. I could not have gotten on here and said, hey, well, when I was in the 2002 recession and the 2008, and here's what I learned and I wrote in my journal, I had all these experiences that I didn't know would become content that maybe can help somebody else in the future. I was just going through it. Now I see my life as everything is a lesson to be learned. You know, going through all every single day, there's the you kind of start walking around looking for metaphors. You're like, huh, it's snowing today and there's a creek right there. What can I learn from the, the, the current in the creek and how do I turn that into a piece of content? You start kind of looking at the world in a different way and I think it's a, a healthier way. You start looking at, at the real things you're supposed to learn and how you can progress in your life looking at life that way. So Doc has th- four 
girls four, it's four right doc you have four because it's after three it's like what right yeah. but he has four little girls and i think about anybody who's a parent like if they're struggling to do a side thing and to do pay all the bills with your yeah. day job i think you need to write that stuff down and i also tell like when in college you know kids get pregnant well not kids i mean you know girls women right i guess right yeah yeah but they they get pregnant and i'm like you know what you somebody else is gonna be as awful as you feel you need to write some of this stuff down because you are going to be able to help somebody else somebody else is gonna um be able to get through this because you have gone through it before and you're going to be able to help somebody out of that hole and i think no matter what it is if we don't um accept the hole that we're in and that we're trying to get out but i think one of the things that you've done that we all need to do is write down what lessons we're learning and be introspective and kind of be able to analyze instead of just pity party what's going on we need to be able to write down i think that's something we all could do because there's some something that we all can i also don't think it has to do and i think you believe this as well it doesn't have to do with the number of people that you reach it's that you helped one person or yeah 50 people on that one Saturday, you know, it's like you just listened to your gut and you tried it. And now you're like, Hey, that wasn't a great business decision, but maybe it helped somebody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's just that, and it may not be that all of us have this huge following, but it maybe it's just the people. If you think about a hundred people, a hundred people in a room is a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, that's a full, you couldn't get together right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's against but, the law to, <laughs> right. to, to group. Yeah. But I think, I, so I think Paul says, great. So do a success journal. So maybe we could all start that during this time. And then we can look back at in a year at the success journal and see yeah. what we've learned. And maybe that that's stuff that you can, you know, maybe there's, there's segments of like with doc, he could do it as um, a, journal about raising four girls, you know, Mm -hmm. and all the struggles that come with being an artist and Mm -hmm. all the things that are challenging. And he may reach people who aren't even artists, right? He may just reach dads. Yes. And I think that it's, it's our lives are all these things. And I, you know, I used to think, oh, because I'm not a mom that I would, it, I always wanted to be a mom, but it it just, it wasn't in the cards. And so, but now I look at it and like, I have 60 kids every year. You know? Yeah, exactly. So it's hundreds or thousands of kids over your the course of your career that look at you as that as one of those people in their lives, one of their their mentors, the the sage who helped them through this phase of their life. And I've seen that, you know, I, I know Sarah who's who's mm-hmm. watching, but I know that you know the way she talked about you in her post, uh, that's some heartfelt stuff that the way that she perceives you and so you've touched a lot of lives and that has so much value if you only did it for that one person it's worth it that's the thing we have to remember when we're looking at building a social media following yes the vanity numbers of the big audience are great but man if you can find those couple people that really really resonate with you that you really became close with and helped through their challenging time and you build this bond and that's that has all the value in the world i agree all right so i'm going to share ways that people can so sarah asked earlier when does the freelance course come out when can we I expect working it? on it so hard it's probably a couple more months until okay. it's done 
it is massive. Like once I, this is Mike Janda fashion. Once I start, I'm like, okay, well, this is going to be the greatest freelancer course that's ever been created. So that's my commitment. I'm, I'm all in on that. And I just so keep adding more content to it. How can we find out more about it? Is there uh, something on michaeljanda.com about there will it? Be, there's nothing yet. You can just follow me on Instagram. That's where I post the most. And I will, I don't market my stuff very often, but this is going to have so much value that I'm going to market this a lot. And so I'm going to have a lot of mentions in my stories and in my, feed about this course because so many people need it it's it's sales how how can you sell how can you find clients here's all your contracts for every type of project here's all your pitch decks for every type of project here's your structure for production and production strategies so that you can execute on these things here's your delivery documents i mean it's going to be very very turnkey uh business in a course so that you can replicate, hopefully replicate or exceed the success I've had in my career. I had to figure out all this stuff as I went along through trial and error. And it's, this is going to be a toolbox for you. So I'm super I love excited. that. Can't wait to hear more. And just for anybody who's listening, you can follow him at more Janda, M O R E J A N D A. All right. And then there's two books. You guys should get it. Even if you're not like in school or anything like that. I actually think the portfolio book has a ton of rich content that isn't necessarily just portfolio yeah. based, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. um, so you can, those two links are there. They will be underneath if you're watching on YouTube and they will also be underneath if you're on any, wherever you're getting your podcast. So it's uh, burn your portfolio and the psychology of graphic design pricing, which is incredible. And you do really like yellow and black and he's consistent. I'm all in. I'm all in on yellow and black. Once I committed, that was my. (laughs) All right, Mike, thanks so much. I I can't wait to um, figure out why we're so committed. I can't either. Do you think you have a a good memory? Oh, yeah, I have a good memory. I remember people. I remember names. I I think we're connected then. I think maybe. Okay, that's part of your crack. That's my part of my, well, I'll have to yeah. dig in. I'm going to get my, what did we call it? Somebody called it, uh, Paul, you success called it a success journal. journal. Yes. All right, Paul, I'm getting my success journal out. And hey, that's another thing you could sell. You could sell these journals. Or you, whatever. Or I, Paul. Yeah, you. Oh. Paul, Paul could sell them. <laughs> I like moleskins. Get the moleskins. The little ones are, are my favorite. The little ones that you can just kind of take everywhere you go. Those are my favorite. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. All oh, right. Just, well, so fun. Just so everybody knows, it is always fun to talk to you, Mike. Just so everybody knows, you will again, hopefully be back in Pensacola at Design XL. That's yes, like November. 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 Mm-hmm. That should be, everything should be fine, people. Yes, and, it will be fine. Um, and then also um, tomorrow, we're going to do one more design recharge. And next week, just so you know, um, that was just me. So if you want to skip it, Will, I know you don't like to come when it's just the rapid recharge. So I'll see you later on Thursday. Um, but this is the book. I don't know if you've ever heard of Laura. I don't know how to say her last name, but maybe somebody in Canada could tell me. But anyway, you should, I'm going to send you an email, Mike, about this uh, girl. Her name is Laura Beauparlant. I th- I'll have, I'll remember how to, s- I'll be able to say it better tomorrow or next week but anyway it's brand chemistry and it's about what you know attracting the right clients and keeping them there and it is a lot about relationships so i'm going to send you you and her an email so that you at least uh, awesome uh get to know her yes perfect oh demi says beau parlant there you mm. go 
Timmy, you know, I'm going to have to have you say it to me out loud. But anyway, Mike, thanks. Thanks so much Thank for going you. so far over. I'm so sorry. Oh, anytime. It's always so fun. Can't wait to next time. What another awesome episode. I'm excited. It's a crazy week, but I'm glad to be here with you. You can check all the show notes out. We'll be at rechargingyou.com slash 335. And if you don't know, you can always... Uh, Sign up to the live link by going to rechargingyou.com slash sign up. And then you get on the email list and then we'll send you an email every week that tells you 30 minutes before the show starts as a reminder. And then also tells you what all the questions will be and what we'll be covering. So you can know if you want to tune in live, which is really fun because we have people from all over the world that tune in live. And you can always follow me at um, Design Recharge on Instagram and Twitter and then on LinkedIn, uh, Recharging You. Same thing, Facebook uh, on Design Recharge. And you can always go to rechargingyou.com and see what's coming up next and um, anything else that we're uh, offering, which is our, the coaching. It's not our, I don't know, there's maybe a mouse in my pocket, but it is me and some other people who are in a group and it's a mastermind group and it's an incredible group. And if you would like to join, we have a wait list and you can find more out about that if you go to rechargingyou.com slash power station. It's all one word. So check that out. I just want you to know that what I feel Recharging You is all about is helping you by providing you training and coaching. And that's how I am going to guide you as a creative entrepreneur um, to realize your potential and reach your business and creative goals. It is the home of the Design Recharge Show, which I know you know. It's an interactive web show. That means it's a podcast too. And it means that you can come live and interact and be in the chat. And when I say Paul said something, that's because Paul was there and Paul was typing that in. And it's really cool that we are doing this together. So it's every Wednesday, unless we have a special thing like we do this week. We have Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So I think it's about hope. If somebody else has done it, then you can do it too. So I hope you'll join us live each week. All right, so I also want you to know that I really value um, you leaving a review and sharing this with your friends. So maybe there was an episode that really um, meant something to you and you want to share it. It's really easy to do that. And I really appreciate any time you can share it, that. It's on YouTube. It's on um, like wherever you get your podcast as well. It's pretty easy to share a podcast with somebody. Um, you can always become a patron, even for a dollar a month. It always helps um, at patreon.com slash Diane Gibbs. My favorite way to build websites is with the Elementor plugin, which I absolutely love. And it makes almost any WordPress theme invincible. This plugin has changed the way I have been able to design websites and build my business. It's helped me niche down. And if you want to check out this, you, the Elementor plugin is free. And then there's a pro plugin. And that's the one I have an affiliate link for. It's the same price as it would be if you're buying it. It's just that now you got there through me. And so I get a little piece of the pie. And it's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash capital D, capital R, Elementor. And the links, again, are all at the bottom. And then there's something new that I've done. And as I revolutionized the way I've been able to use images, videos, music, and I was buying this music just on like in the intros or the the After Effects uh, uh, little demo that is in the beginning of this. That is all from Envato and you just put in your own images. And if I was able to do it, Lord, you can do it too. 
but they're templates, right? And so sometimes I don't have all these skills to do and I don't definitely can't make music. So I love that there's this, but Envato is also graphics and there's PowerPoints or web templates, WordPress templates. There's everything you can think of. And they have an amazing library of stock photography. That's what I've been most impressed with and what I've used the most, absolutely. So for a small, part if for as an individual i think it's about 200 dollars a year and then it goes up as you build your team but these are commercial licenses and you are able to use the the images and it's unlimited and unlimited downloads uh, per month and there's over two million creative resources in this it's amazing so if you want to check it out you can go to uh, bitly bit.ly slash Envato, E-N-V-A-T-O, capital D, capital R for design research. So bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash E-N-V-A-T-O slash D, capital R. Anyway, um, Audible, of course, I always list Audible. I'm still reading the E-Myth. It is awesome. You will hear more about it tomorrow on the show. And I can't wait to tell you some things that I've been learning in that and something else. But I listen to Audible all the time. It if you want a 30-day free trial and a credit for a free audiobook, you can use this link, audibletrial.com slash design recharge. And then Skillshare, we did I did share that. Patricia wanted me to share that in the chat. So that will also be in the all the links below. And Skillshare, you can get two free months of Skillshare. Um, we talked about Skillshare on the show today. And it's Skillshare Premium. So if you go to bit.ly, B-I-T slash Diane Gibbs really easy just one in and diane and you'll be able to sign up and get two free months of skillshare premium so it's a great time to do this a great time to up your game learn some things that you've been wanting to learn or learn learn something else there's not just i mean it's not just uh creative stuff there's sometimes it's good to get out of your normal i've done collage classes i've done business-minded classes on Skillshare. So I hope that you'll join me and all these links. Again, some of them are affiliate links, so I get a tiny piece of the pie, but I appreciate when you are able to sign up through those. So I will see you tomorrow. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Hit like, hit subscribe, and let me know what you think. I love comments. I love um, hearing what has mattered to you. So I hope you guys are getting this okay because I'm at home. See my curtain? Uh, you people who are listening can't see the curtain, but it's just the way it is. Anyway, I'm super excited. I have a new friend, Mike Janda. What an awesome, amazing person. And he, you guys just need to follow him and eat all his content. All right, so eat it up and don't go outside. Bye. <laughs>